and Eve Sarianos. Hello, I'm Emily Gilmarrett. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School podcast. Are you a math teacher looking for an assessment tool that can give you a detailed look into learner or class achievement? With Insights, it's all in one place. Make sense of assessment data so you can strategically plan and teach lessons. Insights, it's assessment for advancement. Visit mathsnoproblem.com for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another School of School podcast. And I'm Emily, and I've got Adam and Andy as usual. But today we're joined with a special guest, uh, Fiona Smith. Hello, Fiona. Hello. I wondered if you could start by introducing yourself. Of course. I'm a product manager at Maths No Problem, and I have got lots of experience with uh, education publishing in the past, ranging from such things as assessment to even ELT. Ah, you weren't expecting that. So I've definitely uh, been around the block in a positive way. What's ELT, Fiona? Can ah, you tell yes. us? Just in case. I'm thinking of all sorts of things and I'm thinking, oh, it could be this. Oh, Fiona could be an expert in this. Whatever it is, Fiona's an expert in it. Yes. Uh, it's English okay, language teaching, which is quite far from uh, primary maths, but there's a lot of uh, relevant stuff in there, so there is indeed. Oh, I think I bring it all. <laughs> bring it all. Mm. <laughs> there is indeed. We should have a we should have a competition, right? We should have a competition. Like who knows the most acronyms? <laughs> Ooh, I'd be a contender. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but also, not only that, if you Google ELT, which ones we could attribute? Extra, yeah, exactly. Extraterrestrial now. life. No. <laughs> Extra yeah. tiny legs. <laughs> extra <There> tiny. <laughs> or extra legs tiny. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, today, from ELT, actually, there is a little segue into today's session, Fiona. Arguably, uh-huh. a little more than usual, because, yes, it is. We are, we are talking maths, but we are talking about learning through storytelling. Um, and one thing, I didn't do my homework before the session, Andy and um, Adam, in doing the learning through storytelling, are we talking about storytelling? We're talking about books, aren't we? Stories, storybooks through storytelling in that sense of the word. Am I right? Well, I, was, I, I would, I don't know. I was going to come at it from another angle as well. Okay, see, I just knew the word storytelling. I hadn't defined it. So, Adam, tell me what we're doing today. <laughs> well, no, I've got no idea what we're doing today. I, I, I don't know, but... but... <laughs> But I think, I think learning through storytelling. But no, what immediately jumps into my head, right? So, so I'm from New Zealand. Uh, that hence the my funny vowel sounds. And I think of Maori culture in New Zealand, and generation upon generation upon generation of learning has been passed down through storytelling. That they didn't they didn't write things down. So that, that's the first thing that jumps into my head. Let's start there. And 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 just very very quickly that that made a mind that's that's. That's oh, that's that's too long to say. But anyway, he, he's looking at indigenous science around the world, and just how accurate it is, and how incredible it is, and and that has been passed down through storytelling, and it's kept people alive. It's it's made people like not live by places that are affected by tsunamis and and earthquakes and all of these things in New Zealand that that you know he's he's finding and his research is massive, and and it's through telling stories, and it's magnificent, and it's wonderful, and I love it. 
I think that that's so that the the kind of art of oral storytelling and bringing people into that space and that kind of joining in and using that vehicle of storytelling and now in the way that you've just described where there are elements to join in and um you know as you say passing down to generation to generation definitely I think in is in a heart of a strong primary school um doing that learning through that kind of storytelling is 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 really powerful Fiona you're nodding (laughs) yeah well I'm nodding because I I feel very strong about this so it's um so I think you can even take it it wider and to say that that that's about that the power of informal learning which again directly links to that early learning space and the idea of learning through through the world and through everyday experiences and um and and playing and playtime and interactions and that can come right back to sitting on the mat listening to the stories at story time it's a way of communicating so much and they're learning so much from from what they're hearing and in the, in that that's little sitting sitting down session with with a storybook it's it's powerful people follow narratives right they follow narratives they they don't if random facts are uninteresting right and 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 if you in and, and i'm sure you know I, I don't know i'm sure people have done research on this but you're more likely to remember things if there's a narrative attached to it. There's a purpose, there's a meaning, there's a there's something to learn, a moral or a you know, an, an end result or whatever the case may be. You're more likely to pick up these satient points than if someone just tells you if someone just says to you, you know, I don't know, uh never eat oysters in the month of June. Okay, what's the likelihood you're going to remember that on its own, right? But if someone says, you know, one time I had some oysters, it was June, I should have known better, you know, <laughs> oh my God, was I sick, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, okay, maybe that's a pretty rudimentary, silly example, but you're, you're, it's, it's more profound, right? It's more profound. And then you, you're, because you're attaching some other form of meaning and and a lot of this has to do with how people remember things. Yeah, I'm not a psychologist or not even well-educated in anything, really, other than just, you know, pupil of life. There's, there's people who talk about how your brain remembers things. And, you, and, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it very rarely just remembers random facts in isolation. There's this notion, there's this emotive element to memory. When you remember something... You remember the emotions that you're experiencing with that thing at the same time together. They're all tied together. It's not just the fact, but it's all the emotions that are attached to it, right? So that's why, you know, you'll have these experiences sometimes when you'll go, you hear a song and it brings you right back to the summer of 1992, right? Or you you had that first smell of spring, and it just brought you back to when you were six years old riding your bicycle on the street, right? They're emotive memories. Your memories are tied with a story, right? And and stories have emotions and they have feelings and they have purpose and and lessons, you know? I, I think there's something to that. I think lessons is, le, le, you know, teaching through stories is profound. Profound. There's the word of the day. Well, then let me jump in off the back of that, because because Andy, what you what you're saying, I think you know we can all 
agree with, I think. I think, you know, because there's stories that have been told to us that will stick in our memory. Is it underutilized? Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I just see this weapon. all the time. If you go on to describe, yeah, like, it, we, why is, <laughs> at what point does storytelling just seem to drop off the <laughs> drop off the approach to education? It disappears. It's a little luxury. If you're lucky, we'll read a couple of pages. You know, <laughs> what's happened? Where's it all gone wrong? The challenge is we've got, you and me, we have to figure out how we can teach the times tables through a story. That's, that's our challenge. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll have to give it some thought. <laughs> but but genuinely, because, like, listen, stories, sto- people shared stories. Like, you know, think of the explorers. Think of everyone. That, that, what, 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 how did they get funding? Right? Yes, there was riches and all that, but they had to bring stories back, right? Like, everyone has shared stories for, for so, so long. And it's the stories that kind of, just as you've been saying, Andy. So I'm genuinely baffled as I sit here. What the heck? What's happened? Well, you're right. Because if what, you think about what, it, Adam, what? like historically with like traditional tales and folk tales, like stories were, you know, there to, to keep people safe, children safe, potentially. Like, you know, um, they had there was the whole moralistic um, stories of the time like, to kind of stop um, boys and girls from behaving in different ways because it wasn't appropriate. Um, you know, we've got, you know, all sorts of different stories. But there are there is news, Adam, and I'm sure you've seen it, that there are schools who are starting to embrace storytelling more. Um, you know, I do notice it. I have to be honest. I do notice it more in the early years in Key Stage 1. And I think it should be, it should go through all the way through <laughs> education. But you see things with like, um, you know, the three little pigs and some amazing work around science. You know, when you think about, you know, the house of, you know, straw and the house of bricks and like we're looking at, you know, different different materials and how they're being used and the the, the concept of three <laughs> um and and all of that but but yeah i we need more adam fiona speak i'm gonna i want i'm going to be controversial because i think storytelling in some ways has adapted so what you're saying andy about um that the use of how we remember things so i mean this is ironic because i can't remember the name of the (laughs) the webinar or presentation or the man who was telling me telling me about this but i can remember the detail of what he was saying and how (laughs) that storytelling (laughs) and i can remember talking about it in the car journey but anyway so so storytelling has changed in that when we used to teach and we used to develop teaching materials that were blocks of text and we know now that that doesn't work and or it works, but it's but there are more effective ways of doing it. So when we put something on a, the page of a textbook and we put text here, but we put an image here and we put something else that's going to help reinforce that. And we put that here and that all of that creates a picture that creates a story that supports that learning, supports that memory. And I can think back to a, a really powerful page in a book and what that looked like in the picture. And and even the room, even the room that you're in when you learn that and when you read that. So I think storytelling is playing its part, but it's playing its part through the materials that we're using now. 
Mm. The visual kind of... Come on, come on, that's got to bring us into something we've all been working on. Oh, please, can we talk about it? (laughs) Yeah, go on. What have we been working on again? I can't remember. (laughs) You can't remember? We've been working. <laughs> Tell us a story. Once upon a time, there was a publisher. <laughs> no, seriously, we have been as a team and a whole load of people um, at Maths No Problem, people on this call and and beyond, have been working on uh, some gorgeous picture books, four picture books, um, and um, James Hermanson. So many years ago, is it fair to say, Andy, this was your um, originally? There's a lovely family story behind the stories, which was your. Um, father-in-law um late father-in-law had written stories for his children and they're 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 beautiful little rhyming stories um and there's a whole range of them but i think there's a whole there's a whole session i think we need to do on these picture books for for another time so i'm gonna we we can save that and it would be great to get some of the team who who worked on those on on the on the podcast but they they um Banha, who I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast would know Banha, particularly with their interest in maths mastery. And he's he's worked with the company for, for many years, um, a maths mastery expert, put together these amazing illustration briefs. And then they worked um, to these beautiful texts, of which, Fiona, there are four. We can talk about the titles in a second. And putting those together to really help children to learn mathematical concepts through story and actually Fiona linking to what you were saying with the store the, the images on the page and the text the sound and rhythm of the story and then the the opportunities to look deeply into those illustrations attractive or engaging ones to draw them in um and that's how we're hoping that we're going to really start to engage young kids when they enter the world into the early years classroom into reception to I guess have their first steps into learning math through story um, and so, Fiona, please tell us a little bit. Those There's four titles. So um, I'll start with my absolute favourite, and I hope it's OK to have favourites, but that's Playmates. It tells the story of, of a little set of chums, who one of which is a goblin, and that's my favourite completely. Um, and we have Rosy Red, which is about a little rabbit who goes looking for chocolate. And again, I can relate to that uh, <laughs> we have this and that which is about a cat and a dog and they fight like siblings should but they also love each other very much and our last one andy i think you should the magic should oven talk about yeah. the magic oven yeah. which is about cooking and i know nothing so that's why i passed it over i think that's my favorite <laughs> go on andy tell us about Tell us about your journey with these picture books because it's been a long and special project, I think. Right. So I was I was fortunate in the sense that I I knew uh, you know um, James Allen Hermanson, the author. Uh, he's my he's my um, father in law, effectively, and you know he is one of these people who, oh, geez, I don't know how to describe him. You know, you only meet maybe one or two people like this in your life who just have a way with words, a wit, and uh, and uh, a natural poetry, and they see the story in everything. They write songs because they love it. They write stories because they just passion. They can't not do it right it's just they have to do it they're so compelled you know and he was a very complex character but uh 
I mean, he, he, you know, he had me laughing all the time. Anyway, grow, when his kids were growing up, one of the ways that he, he chose to communicate and have a relationship with them was through these stories. And he would take the stories that would n normally arise from a conversation or something the kids were doing or a game they were playing or something. And then he took them and then he wrote this beautiful poetry around it. And uh, there's actually, so we've chosen four to launch this product line with, the, the, which is an early years product line. But there are hundreds of these stories, and I just can't wait. Can we can we announce that there might be more, Andy? Can we sure, can we absolutely. can we? Because Fiona and I, but, I want to put you under pressure because we mm, want more. There's there's <laughs> things that are volumes, like big. There's stories that are big, and there's just little poetry stories. There's all kinds of stuff. But the, the other interesting thing about um, uh, James Allen Hermson was that that when his kids grew up, he started uh, volunteering at the local hospital a BC children's children's hospital here in, in uh, Vancouver, which is where he lived. And right up till the day that he really couldn't do it anymore, till he was too, too sick to do it, he would go every Saturday, including Christmas Day, if Saturday, Saturday was a Christmas day, he went every, so never missed a Saturday ever, and talked to the kids, usually those who were critically ill, and wrote poetry, personal stories and poetry for those kids did it for decades and we i have all this this volume of of stuff it's just magical what a talent what a skill so he always wrote it down to the andy did it did he always like like always okay so that's magic so so it wasn't like just uh, it, i'm not just at all but but telling stories but he actually he yeah. wrote them all down yeah yeah and gave them to the kids and not only gave them to the kids but would go in and perform them for the kids you know, he was there and he would, every Saturday, to all the kids, you know, just tremendous, uh, tremendous, you know, life story. So there's one person, you know, very influential who I've met in my life and I thought, wow, this person is amazing. I've got to do something with this. Happened to be somewhat related to him. And then there's Ben Har, who on the other side is this magical figure in education, you know, this is mm -hmm. like the, he's the Messiah, right? Like as far as I'm concerned, so many people follow Ben Har because he has a clarity that, you know, any situation, he just, he understands the theories, he understands the practices, he understands the classroom realities, he understands it all, he has experience in all, but what he, but what he's, he's just one of these people who can see the way through things, right? And then this is a marriage of the two, right? And it's just, you know, it's, I mean, I'm so proud of these books. I can't wait. They're, they're actually going to be out next week, right? Like in the schools. I know. I'm so excited about these, you know. We're super excited. Yeah. It's amazing. They are wonderful. And I think, and your father-in-law sounds wonderful as well. And I think one of the reasons why I chime so much with these pitch books is that I can remember the stupid little stories that my dad told me about Egbert, who lived in a tree <laughs> on the on the school field. And I think that, so it's it's true. Those those. I mean, I didn't learn anything from Egbert, but <laughs> but the concept behind it of we remember those experiences and they mean so much. And seeing them then put on the page, knowing that that I would have loved them when I was tiny. And the children are going to love them as well. And giving them that extra depth of these amazing illustrations that have so much 
depth to them. They're just wonderful. And you know, you know what's what's kind of. I hope it comes out in this, but and yeah, I don't know how much if people really recognize how hard, how how hard we work. Not just us, but like people who do things. You know how much effort we put into trying to produce these things and make them really special, right? You know, there's so much love goes into it, right? So much care. It's much more than we're not just showing up and like doing our jobs. Like, you know, I, I, I said it, I remember saying it very clearly, saying it to Adam. I said it yesterday in another meeting and I'll say it again. You know, this, this organization that we work for, I mean, for me, when I look back and they say, if I, if I could sum it up, what is it that we're, we're trying to do, right? For the people that work in the organization. And in the end, the most important thing for me is, is that when people one day reflect back on the years that they spent working with us, with this team, with this talented group of people, they look back and they say, yeah, that's when I did my best work. Yeah. That to me is the most important thing in this whole organization, you know, for the people. And this is one of, this is one of those, this is one of those products that I think we're always going to look back and say, yeah, I'm really proud of that. And I do genuinely believe, I do genuinely believe that it's it's a groundbreaking concept because do you, maths through stories, you know, is a very you know that there's there's a whole load of research behind that, like at taking picture books um, and then um, the stories, you know, using them to tell stories and 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 find maths to talk with the children is out there. But I think that what you described as the magic and the marriage of these lovely stories that you can read and tell and they're rhyming and they're engaging. And some of the, you know, the phrases the kids are going to learn because of that, because they're fun stories, but then to have that ban heart touch and to then actually, it's not, you're not just saying, Oh, we learn about the number 10 in this lovely picture book where you're going to go one duck two. And it's not like that. It's, it's a wonderful story. And, you know, we've actually in the images that the, the richness of things you could do across a whole year, various points jumping in and out is amazing because Ban Ha's kind of taken another lens on it. And the way that the artwork is interpreted you know, by the artists. Right. So the artists and we didn't talk about that, but the artists bring their flair to it. And that's another thing about storytelling, too, is the art. And, you know, and, and, and just not not to just go in a completely different direction, but I. I've had the benefit of spending some a little bit of time with a very talented indigenous artist here in, in the, on the west coast of North America, BC. Um, uh, a guy called uh, Roy Henry Vickers, actually, he's probably the best, best, the most well-known, um, you know, artist, First Nations artist uh, on the west coast. And he's done everything from, um, you know, unbelievable, beautiful artwork like paintings you know and digital paintings as well because he works on a computer a lot of the time as well as carving out totem poles out of like trees you know like he used to live in a you know he used to work off this little beach house in Tofino in, in on the island of Vancouver like Tofino is a really rugged place I mean it's the kind of place where wolves come out and you know attack dogs that are walking along the beach right it's really rugged it's about as close to nature as you can get right and he lived there and carved on the beach carved totem poles out of trees that were 500 years old you know that had fallen right and it's just amazing but that that there's you know a lot of people don't know this but a totem pole tells a story right it's a story and and the indigenous people 
of North America, they see things in a different way, right? And everything is a story and everything ties into a story and, you know, just how they describe things. So like, you know, um, I don't know, they, they have such an interesting way of looking at the world. It's quite different than the, than the Western view, right? And I don't think we spend enough the time at, at, at actually paying attention because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot and there's a richness and a depth that we, we miss out on of mysticism and storytelling and, you know, almost magical qualities. And they talk about things in metaphors all the time, right? There's no real direct, it's very rare that they say, you know, this, then this, then this, then this, then this. But, you know, it's just the way they describe things. Like uh, one of the things that stuck out for me was they call killer whales uh, or orcas, their, their word is um, sea wolves, right? So they make this relationship between wolves who, who are in packs and live in this social, but it's not a negative connotation. For them, no. the wolves have this representation of, of collaboration and, and intelligence and sophistication and that the orcas are the sea equivalent of that. And they, they tie their stories in with the quali magical qualities that these things have. And it all comes out in paintings, right? And this is how they communicate to each other, right? And these are the stories that they tell. And, they've, and it's such a shame that this stuff is disappearing at the rate that it's disappearing at. Mm. So I'm, 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 you know, I, I need to find a way to, 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 to tap into this because I think we've got we to gotta make sure we don't lose that, right? But going back to the storytelling, storytelling happens at many different levels, right? It's not just books. It's not just reading. It's not just telling stories. It happens everywhere. So in education, what, what role, other than the obvious things, what role can storytelling play? I just really, I remember, Andy, you talked about, do any of us remember times when we were in reception? I still remember Eric Carle's The Hungry Caterpillar, which might seem like a cop-out because now that's like this big anniversary book and everybody knows it. Blah, blah, blah. But for me, it genuinely did touch my heart and it t I totally, like, the excitement when Mrs. K got out, <laughs> the very hungry caterpillar, and there's a hole in the book so you can actually stick your yeah. finger through and each time it was read, it would be someone else's turn to go up and when it was your turn to put your <laughs> finger through the hole, it was Brilliant. so exciting. I can remember the whole event. But I know that there were things that I was learning. I was learning about how a caterpillar turned into the um, uh, cocoon and then turned into this beautiful butterfly. I learned about colors. I learned about um, counting. One apple, two pears, three strawberries. And then the you know craziness as it was like, you know, cake. And, and I learned about having fun. And I think actually, and I had a whole collective communal experience and there's no way that people can't tell me that a power of a story and having that moment you I've learned so much from that book and now I've passed on that learning I like to think when I read that to other children and I think that the books that we've created together um that have been illustrated and have that magic of that it's like an you've like uber did it up <laughs> the hungry caterpillar because we've got the 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 genius of van Hal. we've got these you know this incredible voice of like rhyming stories that are magical that children are going to remember we've got these amazing talented illustrators to interpret and work with these people and bring their talent to the story 
and 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 I'm hoping that there's going to be a little a little Emily somewhere else or someone else who's going to remember that when the magic oven and it was their turn to you know even in the role play area like the first thing I would have to do would be to recreate the magic the magic oven it's got to be done I want a cardboard box and I paint it up and I definitely be doing it and there'll be things to like take out and throw around and um you know I'm in there and he's cracking up already but I think that that is what is going to happen I really do and I get it makes me goosebumpy yeah it does it's so sad that 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 you know um that Alan Alan Hermanson doesn't get to see that you know yeah. That would have made him so happy. Well, I think that's it, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on the 